Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. <sighs> yeah, that's just the mood for today. <laughs> Have you ever had it where you had to be honest with yourself and just admit that sometimes it just feels a little bit easier to quit than to keep pushing forward in a certain area? Like to continue to have that burning flame of fire for the very thing that you were believing in at one point and believing with a different posture. You know, you started off with the rocky, and then now it's just, you know, your face squinched up with your, it's just a whatever situation. And I kind of, I'm pretty much in that arena. I'm not even going to hold you. I'm going to be honest with myself. I think that it is a disservice to your soul to allow your body to quit on a certain thing. And it is so much easier said than done. Trust me, I understand. I, too, sit at home and watch when someone is accepting a award or certain, you know, accolade, and they're like, don't give up on your dreams and keep going and blase blue and the cloud, the crowd is just like, you know, amazing, you know, applause all around. But no one tells you what to do with that emotion of wanting to quit. What do you do when quitting seems like the tsunami answer to the little irritants of continuing to go on? What do you do? Do you, because let's just be honest, willpower is real weak in that moment, if you're honest with yourself. Determination took a vacation. Mm, yeah. Determination, not here. Like, the attendance is not being taken in that area. So what do you do? There's only so many times you can call someone, you know, just remind me why I'm doing this again. If you are so blessed to have that kind of support system. You, can you vacation it out? Can you purchase something, retail therapy it out? Like, what do you do when quitting seems like the pause button that you so effortlessly need? Maybe not even pause, the stop button that you've been craving. Like, are you spending money in a certain area for a certain dream to the point that you like, listen, I don't have another nothing dollar, okay? Another 10, 20, 100,000. I have not a near another dollar to give this particular dream without it bringing in the income that I desire. I have not yet another networking smile in me to want to go ahead and get closer to the elbows that will plateau me to where I need to go. I have no other encouraging word at all to give somebody else that's trying to get to where I'm at because I didn't even get there okay I have I don't want to pull on the coattails of someone who is you know in in the position that I would love to be in because I don't want to aggravate people and I'm not if I am able to do that I am not getting the answers that is revving back up my okay go get itness. And this is very much so coming from a personal place at this time, which I believe that when someone's going through it, someone else is possibly experiencing it. It's just 
there's nothing new under the sun. The Bible even says it. So someone, you need to know that someone else is experiencing what you're feeling at your moments because that little, oh my goodness, you too, just, it does something miraculous to the soul, in my opinion. And so I'm going to just go ahead and just give it from the heart the only way that I know how to do it. Entrepreneurship, chasing your dream, going after what it is that you feel called to do, going against the grain of the corporate world hamster wheel is very much so not for the faint-hearted. Just going to go ahead and keep it 3,000 with you. Because as crammed and hamster willish and all negativity that we can give the verbiage to the corporate world as much as we can go ahead and attach that to the corporate world there are some securities that are there you know when your check is coming for the most part for the most part you know when your benefits are you know you covered beneficial medical dental what have you you have a location to go to that you don't have to worry about the overhead or the hows and the who's and all the other intricacies of how to keep that machine operating. You are simply one of the cogs that are in the wheel that's continuing to allow it to flourish and continue on. Much different mindset than when you are going after your particular calling. And there are times in this particular path for myself that I'm just like, Brother, I'm qualified. I'm qualified to do some stuff. I'm qualified to go ahead and just call up McDonald's real quick and say, no, I don't want a cheeseburger. I want to make the burger. Can I come real quick? Okay, great. Thanks. You know, there's just certain times that it just seems easier not to have to encompass all the other things that come with your call, your path, your assignment. And every now and then when I get to that place, I'm like, you know what? One, I want to be honest with myself. No, it's not a real quick, you know, you can do it. You, you don't, hearing that doesn't really do too much. Like, let's be honest with ourselves. Quitting seems like the pause button that's just like, oh, my goodness, I needed this to stop thinking. I mean, seriously, it just feels better. Because it doesn't feel good not to be acknowledged for what you're doing behind the scenes that no one sees. Like when I was doing YouTube videos, I I quit that faster than a speeding bullet. I just, I did. Kind of sad to, to admit that, but glad that I can admit that. Because the work that went into doing the YouTube video, number one, had to make myself presentable. That means, you know, my face had to look right. Got to fill in an eyebrow hair or two. Went ahead and dipped my hair because the bonnet was just not received. Uh, Got to make sure that the area that you're shooting in is acceptable. Also, make sure that your audio is how it needs to be. Make sure that the lighting is where it needs to be. Oh, and then after you go ahead and tape one video 15 million times because you want the accuracy to be there, then you have to go back and you have to edit and then you have to do all these other things and intro and outro and then you upload and then you're excited and then you're posting your link and you're like, hey guys, go look at what I did to encourage you and then you get nine views. You're like, are you I'm sorry. Not only is this not getting the viewage that I was looking for, but all that I'm putting in is not equivalent to nine views, sir, ma'am. 
I, I, I'm sure that's how people feel when they go ahead and they open and turn the key to their business. The loan that it took, the savings that it took, the mental and emotional push through that it took, the physical getting to that particular location that it took to open up this place, to pay the electric bill, to pay whatever services that they're giving, to open up the door, to have customers buy the few, and then some of them are disgruntled? The other day I went to go get oxtails from one of my new favorite spots in the neighborhood, and this man looked absolutely drained. And five minutes of talking to him, I was just like, oh, my goodness. If people knew, he's like, you know, this is not a fast food restaurant where you can just order and then I'm cooking from scratch for people. Some people are ordering things that I don't cook. You know, I don't have this particular fish just laying around. It needs to be cooked fresh. You know, so that's why I have this sign. Please be patient. You know, this is not a fast food restaurant. He also was like, I've been doing this for since November. You know, he counted down however many months. And I think at that point when I was talking to him, it maybe was about maybe four or five months. He's like, I've been doing it by myself. So I'm cooking. I'm stocking. I'm washing dishes. I'm opening up. I'm closing up. I'm this, that, and the third. And, the, and I could Feel his frustration. I was like, oh my goodness. And the only thing that I had to say from the other side of the counter is people don't know what it takes. We, they don't know. And he's like, this one lady's ordering over the phone. And she's like, yeah, I'll be there in 30 minutes to pick up my order. He was like, this is not going to be ready in 30 minutes. She ordered, and he went down the list of all the different meals that she ordered. He was like, this off back. I got to chop up and cook and saute and this, that, and the third. And I'm like, wow. And this all came because he had took like, I think, a week or so, maybe maybe less than a week. He just closed down the shop for a couple of days. So I came in with the, hey, no vacations. I'm hungry. You know, just playing around. But then, you know, just kind of was establishing rapport. But then having that conversation with him, I was like, I'm sorry. And I felt this innate need to want to, like, look for help. Like, what do you need help with? He's like, just someone to run the cash register and someone else to go ahead and do the dishes. I just want to cook. And I said, isn't it hilarious that your calling is never one faceted? Like, I'm sure when he said, when he was making whatever meal in his home and he tasted it for the umpteen time and was like, you know what? I could sell this and I would have a booming business. I'm sure never in his mind did he equate to, I would love to stock a restaurant by myself and also take calls from disgruntled people who don't know how this business is ran and that this is not a fast food restaurant with a drive-through. This is a sit-in, eat-a-tree. Okay, great. That's a new word if it's not. And that filling up um, these, this dishwasher for the 90th time to cook your meals, sir and ma'am, was just not the thing that I woke up to want to do. Because one of the major things that he said was his drive, he, he lives an hour out. And he's like, you know, he's getting two, three hours sleep. And I'm like, well, is it the hours that you're open? And I'm trying to, from the other side of the counter, trying to help. But all he kept saying was he's tired. And I'm sure that his body physically wanted to quit. But you know what I realized? You can physically do whatever is needed, 
you will never be able to spiritually within your soul bury your calling. You will never be able to. We can take examples of that from the Bible. If you just took a pencil and just illustrated all that Joseph went through, you know, the one that his brothers sold them to slavery. He went from the pit to the palace. You know, we read those chapters real, real quick. But um, he, of all people, had the, he would have had my vote to, bruh, I understand why you quitting. It's okay. But I think that's why God gives us our calling or a little preview to our calling very early. Because we need something to hold on to we need some kind of why some kind of some kind of carrot to keep us running in this particular lane and path and what I did was because I'll be honest with you again I was feeling this way I went ahead and, and pulled up Moses' story sometimes I pull up celebrities sometimes I pull up things from the Bible but when it really is getting to a point that I'm like God you got to feed me I go back to my roots and I pull up the Bible so I pulled up Exodus 2 in Exodus 2, that chapter starts off with the birth of Moses. So we already know the awesome thing that his mom did. Shouts out to her for being awesome and doing what needed to be done. And the first portion, chapter 2, verse 10 ends with the princess pretty much pulled Moses out the water. She named him Moses because it said in that last verse, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. So wow, Moses' life was saved because someone else did a heroic act and saved him. Awesome. But then chapter 11, it skips all his life. So we don't know what kind of toddler Moses was. We don't know how he got acclimated to the palace. We don't know if he ever really knew, bruh, that's your mom and that's your sister. We don't know it. But picking up on 11, that's when we start to get more into who Moses is about to become. So Exodus 2, verse 11. I'm going to read. You know, I read from the NLT version, New Living Translation. So it says, Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. Pause. Shouts out for him. I don't know who told him. I don't know. Princess was like, look, I love you like a mother, but I'm not your biological mother. But shouts out for him knowing his roots. I think that is extremely important for anyone that is journeying where they are. So let's continue with that. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating on one of his fellow Hebrews. 12. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. 13. The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the one who had started the fight. 14. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? <gasps> then Moses was afraid, thinking, everyone knows what I did. 15. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what, hap what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. Pause. So we already see real early, without any prompting, without any training, Moses' assignment clearly is to save the oppressed. Off back. 
he could have turned a blind eye when he seen, you know, Hebrew getting beat up. Okay, not that serious. Who cares? You know, I'm sure somebody else saw that and didn't have that warrior inside of I'm going to save this person. They didn't have the Mighty Mouse Adventure cape come up. So it was like, oh, okay. But he saw that and he had a different approach to that. And that was very much a, hmm, you know what? Bothered him so much <laughs> that it literally said after looking in all directions, he wanted to make sure he was, you know, clear. And he went ahead and killed the old boy and um hit his body in the sand. But it was a different kind of posture when he saw two of his people fighting. It was like, why, why are you beating up on your friend? And so once it was known to Pharaoh, it was like, oh, oh, he out here killing folks? Oh, my people? Oh, okay, let's go ahead and kill him. It was like, nope. So what did, what did he do? He physically ran. He ran to the land of Midian. So let's pick up there. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Whew, I know that felt much better. All right, so you ran from Pharaoh. You in Midian now, you can catch your breath because what do you know? Your soul was the one that was causing you to go ahead and save people, but you're, you know, you physically ran. So your body's out of that. So you should be okay now, right? Let's see. 16. Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water and fill the water troughs for their father's flock. 17. But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds. Then he drew water for their flocks. Ah, you're still saving people, Moses. It's almost like you can't help it. Hmm. 18. When the girls returned to rule their father, he asked, Why are you back so soon today? 19. An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered. And then he drew water for us and watered our flocks. 20. Then where is he? Their father asked, why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. Pause. Once again, someone else is going back and rescuing Moses. It's almost like this, I don't know, this like circular motion for Moses. He was saved because he was assigned to save people. And so he will always be saved by people. Did you catch that? Huh. Okay, well, let's keep, let's keep going. 21, Moses accepted the invitation and he settled there with him. In time, Ruel gave Moses his daughter Zephora to be his wife. Later, she gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom. For he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. Years passed and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. 24. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant to Abraham, or I'm sorry, his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 25. He looked down on the people of Israel, and he knew it was time to act. Let me read that last verse again. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 25, he looked down on the people of Israel and he knew it was time to act. You need to understand that the calling and assignment on your life is way deeper than your emotional capacity at this current time. And I need you to hear me. 
you have to understand that there is a competition in the spiritual realm to go against the very thing that God has for you. The demonic realm cannot take away what God has. What, what the demonic realm is only equipped to do is to persuade you in your emotions to counteract what God has for you. That's the same thing that happened in the garden. In the garden, Eve knew what it was. We are not to eat of this tree, of this fruit. We already know what it was. And the only thing the serpent was able to do was to persuade and convince her body to do something different he wasn't able to take the fruit and put it in her mouth and say eat it he wasn't able to go ahead and serve it up and put the fork and shove it down her throat he wasn't able to purposely force it in her hand and make and go ahead and force her hand to her mouth he wasn't able to do anything physical nothing physical he is only able to persuade and so if you see that that same tactic has been happening since the garden, even down to current times, you are being persuaded to quit. No one is putting anything in front of you that is making you say, okay, I'm, I'm forced to choose this button and I choose quit. Yeah, the finances may be where it is. Yeah, the people may be disgruntled. I know it's irritating dealing with people, but guess what? We got to live with them. So if you're going to serve them, you might as well do it in the capacity of your assignment. There are going to be times that things are just not going to align. Yeah, we hear all the stories. You know, I heard when Steve Harvey was saying he was living in his car right before his big Apollo break. Things are not going to be favorable in the physical realm. But is that enough to go ahead and bury this? Simon in your soul we just looked at the fact that Moses ran he ran from Egypt it was okay I was trying to go ahead and save people over here so maybe if I run over here to Midian and sit by this wall I, I will be fine and then what happens not even a whole chapter later, you know, and, I, and if I put a time frame to it, not even two hours later, what is he doing again? He's saving people because you can't save yourself from your calling. You are always going to have that calling. I don't care if you never pursue it the way that God said to do it. Imagine if Beyonce never went and because, and, you know, I'm a Beyonce fan. Imagine if Beyonce never went ahead and pursued and she just made it where she was just, you know, a good singer in her school. Okay, that's the capacity that she chose to take it to. But you know what? She would have always had Beyonce quality. She just convinced herself not to pursue it any further than, than where she was physically. You have to get past the physical annoyances. You have to get past the, yeah, but it, what is it doing to you right now? Okay, so the people knew that he killed he killed somebody and he buried them. Okay, Pharaoh found out and mm, he wanted to kill him. You know what? I'm, I believe so wholeheartedly that when God gives an assignment that no one can touch it, I believe wholeheartedly that before Pharaoh could have really gotten to a place that he could have had Moses killed, I believe some people would have died off before it would have ever happened. I believe that wholeheartedly. 
Because I believe in the same God that before you're able to go ahead on your chariots and your horses and all your fine men, before you're able to go ahead and chase after these Israelites, before you're able to do that, I will split a Red Sea and drown you in it before I let you get to my people. So if God did that for one million plus Israelites, that I will make sure that you safely go ahead and cross a Red Sea. And then when these folks with faster forms of transportation try to even go ahead and try to mimic what I did for you, I will kill these people. I will drown them before I let them touch y'all. If he did that for one million, what would he have done for Moses? Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Pharaoh threatened a million Israelites. What will God have done for Pharaoh threatening one Moses? Not the Moses that he called to lead his people. Oh, no. If you have not really found out yet, God does not play when it comes to his people. You can go back and brush yourself up on all the plagues that was done in Egypt in order to let his people go. He does not play about his babies. He takes that very seriously. He's a good, good father. It's just not a song. And so I want us to get to a place that we start seeing the obvious trick of the enemy, the persuasion in the physical realm. It is all designed to have you bury your assignment. And you know what the sad part is? Only you can bury an assignment. The enemy can't do that for you. He's not even that powerful. He's not even that persuasive that he gets you to bury it. He always does something to get you to counteract it. So, ooh, Moses is going to go ahead and save these people later on in Egypt. Let me have him run out of Egypt and go to Midian. But what the enemy don't understand is God is omnipresent. So if God is omnipresent and he lives within you, then your lens will always be viewed through the assignment that he gave you. I don't care where Moses would have went. He would have always found a place to save people. And that brings it back to me. I know that I know that my calling is to help people, is to encourage people, is to inspire people. I know that I know. I knew that when I was working in a bank. I knew that when I was working in insurance. I knew that when I was working with Child Protective Services. I, there, my lens is inspiration, encouragement, and hurting those who are weakened in their soul, either through emotional brokenness or just mental torment. I am wired to do that. The gifting that God gave me spiritually and how I am wired in my soul, I do I do that in the grocery store. There have been times that I've seen an overwhelmed woman. I mean, just things that if you trail back and look at my life, you're like, you've always done this. And you know what? The ironic thing is, I've known that since being a child. I can remember being five and six years old just wanting to help, that it made me feel good to help, that after a while I asked my mother, what can I do to help you? And she was like, you're helping me by sitting on this couch and being quiet. And I took that role like she gave me the presidential, just you gave me these instructions and I'm going to fight. Aye, aye, captain. Like it was like, oh, all she did was tell me to be quiet. And now that I look back on it, she was just pretty much saying, stay out of my way because you cleaning up is not the cleaning up that I need. But if you sit here and be quiet, that's 
class helping. Oh, I was the most prominent sit-down quieter you've ever imagined. You could have paid me, and I just would have been like, shh. I'm being quiet and I'm sitting here and that's my job. Like I was intentional about that thing. I want us all to get back to being that five and six year old child. I want us all to get back to, if you are honest with yourself, God showed you what your calling was early. And even if you stumbled upon a new way of actually doing it, you've always known that it was helping yeah, you may be helping in a certain realm, but you always knew your, your calling was helping. Yeah, you may be teaching and preaching in a certain realm, but you always knew that that was your calling. Yeah, you knew, you knew, and your soul knows, please don't have it where the physical realm convinces you, persuades you to bury it. Because where you bury it, well, you, you know the painful thing? You will always remember it. Yeah, it was that one time that I was supposed to, but I stopped so that I can do A, B, and C. Yeah, I, I was supposed to be in nursing, um, but then I had tuition issues. I got frustrated, and so I just went ahead and went into banking. Yeah, I was supposed to please don't bury the memory in your soul along with your assignment. That's torture. Then we wonder why people have these quote-unquote midlife crisis. Well, all of a sudden, you know what I think a midlife crisis really is? A person just getting back to the place that they buried their assignment in the first place. Honestly. You, you know, you're not going out buying motorcycles with leather pants with the glutes, you know, parts cut out. <laughs> you know, you're not living on the edge. You're not doing something that's too radical. What you're really doing is you're trying to get back to what you buried. It's like a dog going back to sniff out the bone that it buried way, way long ago in a home that probably no longer exists or is already occupied by somebody else. And so you are trying to go back to get that bone because that bone was your purpose. That bone signified your assignment and your calling. And I don't care where you go on in life. I don't care where you, where you physically reside or what you spiritually or religiously believe in. Everyone has a calling. Everyone has an innate wiring. And when you don't chase that, and when you don't spend your time honing that, you feel incomplete. You will always feel like something is missing. I don't care what the check looks like. I don't care what the title looks like outside of your door or on your desk. You are always going to feel incomplete if you are not fulfilling your assignment. So every time that you feel like, you know what, it's easier just to go ahead and fill in the blank. It's easier just to go ahead and get a, a regular W-2 job, a regular 9 to 5. At least you don't have to deal with. At least, you, yeah, but you know what the other side of that is? If you're dealing with nonsense at 9 to 5, can you at least deal with the nonsense that goes along with your assignment? Can we not waste the time of, well, it appeared easier to do? 
I want the goal to be that when we are in our golden years and we reflect back on our lives, I want us to have the same impression that our creator had in Genesis, where you look back on your life and you say, hmm, it was good. Not that it was, you know, your dollar amount that you achieved that particular financial bracket. Okay, that that's okay. That may be that may be good. Yeah, you may have go ahead and climbed the career ladder. Okay, you know, that may be good to someone else. But if it does not align to what the creator assigned you to, it will never be good. That is why when he bought every animal, everything that he created, God bought everything to, to Adam and said, find yourself a suitable help me. Adam was just like, mm, I'll name all of these, but none of these fit me. That's when God knew, you know what? I have to make something that comes from you. So I got to put you in this deep sleep. I got to go ahead and take this rib. I got to go ahead and make this woman and I'm going to present her to you. And can you imagine how long it took for all the animals to be presented to Adam? I'm sure that was very time consuming, but you know what? As soon as he saw the woman, he looked at her and immediately said, whoa, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This is woe man. I shall name her Eve. He eventually named her Eve, but he knew immediately she's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This is my help need. <laughs> this is it. That is what we need to hold on to. Yeah, you may have gotten the accolades that, oh, Adam named the giraffe and the hippopotamus and the platypus. And, the, you know, yeah, but you know what? It wasn't complete until it was something that was from him. It wasn't complete until he knew this came from me. Yeah, it was awesome, God, and you made that, and I had a co-partnership in that. And, yeah, I know I had, I went ahead and took this particular unit in the company to the next level. And, yeah, I know I went ahead and I taught all these kids and I did this. But if you didn't do the thing that God initially innated and planted in you to do, it will never feel like, whoa, man. This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It's easier to quit. It's very easy. But can I, can I break that down a little bit more for you? What it really is, is just a temporary pause. Maybe you need to go back to the drawing board and say, why am I doing this again? That's why it's so important that you write down not only your goals, but your why. Why do you think every business has a mission statement? I'm sure that it didn't start off as this is the mission statement for the company. And this is what we're standing for. I'm sure that the very first couple of mission statements was somebody's mere thing of, I need to come back to this when I'm feeling weary. I need to remember why I'm doing this. And why I'm not getting the support. And why when no one else is up late nights with me. And why when there's no one else financially adding to this. And why when I feel like, you know what, this, this doesn't even seem important to my closest family and friends. And why when strangers every now and again are, are supporting me more than the people who know my middle name. And why and why and why do you have your why written down? Do you have your why written down? And be honest with yourself that you know what? The quick fix will never satisfy you. 
it will never satisfy you. It will be time consuming like the way it was for Adam to name those animals, but it will never be fulfilling like the way that Adam knew, wow, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You can run the way Moses did, but you'll still be saving people no matter where you go. <laughs> you can run the way Moses did, but you will always be fulfilling your assignment in whether you know it or not, indirectly or not. So why don't you go ahead and I'm okay and you can be okay, you know, give yourself permission to maybe you just need to change up, you know, the flow of why or how you're doing a thing. Maybe turbo mode is exhausting you. Maybe you're working at a thing like it's going to pop in three months and it's actually going to take in consistent three years. Maybe at a slower pace, maybe, but definitely not burying it. Definitely not quitting it. I'm even okay with you doing something part-time. I'm even okay with you giving it partial effort, but that will be the bare minimum. You better not unplug that particular assignment. You better not cut that umbilical cord too, too early. You better not. Safe delivery before you go ahead and cut the umbilical cord to the assignment. I'm okay with you not eating every day like it's Thanksgiving. I'm okay if you not, you know, going ahead and working like, you know what, I'm in work mode. I just need to, won't you just go with the flow of your soul? If you feel like, you know what, I need a little bit of a break, it's okay. Maybe go ahead and make sure that your to-do list is not a thousand pieces of things to do. Maybe you're tiring yourself out. Just maybe. Why don't you go back to God and say, can you give me pace? Can you give me the God-assigned pace for my God assignment? Can you show me how to work this thing? You know, am I going ahead and rushing something for 30 days that takes nine months? Can you give me, mirror my soul, mirror my physical efforts? Can you make sure that they are one and the same? And I'm going to make sure that I write down my mission statement, write down my why. And I'm going to be honest with myself and write underneath that you can find another quick fix if you want to in the physical realm, but you will never be satisfied if you want that, whoa, man, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, that automatic knowing, that automatic fulfillment. You have got to be honest with yourself. If Adam looked at one of those animals that was bought and said eh, I think the gorilla's close closer than the other options I didn't want nothing on all fours all the time but you know this can kind of sit up with me kind of can stand up to my height yeah I guess don't settle there don't settle there why settle with, with something that doesn't speak your language and only partially fulfills you? That's the same thing what it looks like when you quit your assignment to go work for a regular job. That's what it looks like when you figure out, you know what, I'm going to just close this business because it's too overwhelming this particular month. Yeah, but what happened? Wouldn't you love to see what would have happened six months to a year after? Uh, if God could show you the preview to your later, would you quit then? No, and I think he purposely doesn't show us that because he wants us to trust. He wants us to trust. If he gave you all the answers, you wouldn't have to trust him. You know, I was watching a show, um, The Good Place, and 
they said something that was amazing. It's on Hulu. One of the things that they said in one of their season finales was the most beautiful part about being a human is not knowing. I think that's what makes being a human exciting. You know, God is all-knowing. Let God be God. And if you trust him, then you at least know what the next steps are. You may not know what the final results are, but you always will know what the next steps are. And if you feel like, God, I don't know and I'm frustrated, then you didn't ask him. Because I read a passage in, in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 7, um, that, yeah, you you have not because you ask not. And that if you knock, the door shall open. And if you ask, you shall receive. And, like, God keeps giving all these, like, bro, I'm not trying to hide nothing from you. Jesus even said, listen, I'll be right back. I'm getting ready to go ahead and build some mansions for y'all. You know, with my father, there's many mansions. But I'll be right back, I promise. But in the meantime, can y'all do A, B, and C? Listen, I'm leaving you peace, not peace that the world leaves. I haven't read one time in any part of the Bible where it was just a mystery, where we, like, I have no idea what God wants me to do. I have no idea. We somehow brought up that facet in our mind, but it's not true. You very much know what God wants you to do. You may not know how, where to take it. Like, I know that I want to help. I said that I wanted to do it in the realm of, you know, the platform of podcasting. I said, okay, I want to, I have no idea how to take podcasting to the next level. I have no idea. I've never done this before. But what I do know is that I need to be consistent in how I encourage. What I do know is that I need to go ahead and consistently make sure that I'm doing the things that God told me to do. I am not responsible for what I don't know how to do. And the same thing is for you. My husband and I are building a church. We've never built a church before. We have no idea how to take. There is no laundry list of, okay, first step, you do this all the way from A to Z. We have no idea. But you know what we do know how to do? We know how to order equipment. You know what we do know how to do? My husband knows how to study for for his messages and his sermons. You know what we do know how to We are not responsible. Hear that. We are not responsible for what we don't know. You're not responsible for that. You're held accountable for the steps that you did know. You can change the pace of how you're operating. You absolutely positively do not close down operations. You do not quit. You do not give it a hard stop. You can do a soft pause. But it definitely better not be a hard stop. You can't. Because when you bury your assignment, you bury the memory, and you will continue to remember the one thing that you did not fulfill, and nothing else will remotely come close. Do not be the dog looking back for the bone. Do not be that person. God did not wire you to torture you. Don't do it to yourself. My challenge to you is you better go back as soon as we hang up and write down your mission statement. Write down your why. And remind yourself nothing will ever come close. We have examples in the Bible. I even went ahead and before this conversation looked up celebrities that were that close to going ahead and quitting. But I didn't want to go that route. I already did that with the frustrated and overlooked. You want to listen to those, you go back to those combos. I think it's combo three and four. I wanted to bring you back to your roots and how you're wired and the creator did not create you to be tormented. You know what you have to do. You know what needs to be done. Do not blow out the torch. Do not blow out that flame. Do not blow it out before it is completed. It is finished when God calls 
it finish. It is not finished when you get frustrated. I think you got what you needed. I, I believe you got what you needed. I know I got what I needed. And if you need it to a reminder, you know where to come. But as my good, good nanny says, all right, I ain't going to hold you. Go ahead and do what needs to be done. I'll talk to you later. Later.